0: to all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders welcome to the lockdown defense podcast i'm your host coach defense let's talk sports let's talk who's in the news we got a, some good segments to talk about today so buckle up strap in get a drink let's talk about it so we're going to talk about the nba bubble the playoffs so we're going to talk about the bucks collapse man y'all let me down milwaukee y'all let me down bro Come on, man. I had y'all pick to go. I had y'all pick to go. We deep in the playoffs, man. Y'all let me down. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the <laughs> the co- the converse of that in Miami's dominance. We're going to talk about them. Uh, we're going to talk about the Boston Raptors series, how that went seven epic games and you know, you know, know how that shook out and what was the difference making in that particular regard. We're going to talk about uh, Thursday night football. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and uh, Texans and how that game uh, ironed out. So, uh, we, and we'll also preview, uh, look out for a preview video for the uh, NFL week one, uh, who we think is gonna win and um, how we gonna do that. So look, be on the lookout for that. Also, we're gonna do uh, <laughs> For The Record this week. And man, I got some things to talk about in that segment. So listen, also understand that uh, if you look at my description, you will see that I have uh, timestamps for my segment. So if you wanna fast forward for the record now, Go ahead and click the link "For the record and listen to that segment. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this one. So, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to ruin the topics. I'm just going to let you know that you should listen to it, and it's going to be a good one. Then we're going to get into the Chargers' Corner. We're going to preview uh, week one, how we're going to fare against the Bengals, uh, how we wrapped up Hard Knocks, and what our season expectations are going to be. Then we'll talk Lakers' locker room. We'll talk about uh, the Rocker series and what can we expect going forward. Um, for that series we'll talk about that and talk about some good things in that particular segment and then we'll do NFL previews NFL previews will be uh, NFC East and NFC South this week as we wrap up that segment in our uh, ongoing series for NFL previews and then we'll wrap it up with fourth quarter closeout we'll give out some awards for uh, Lockdown Defender of the Week uh, Breakout Player of the Weeks and uh, we'll give out a big dummy week award we got two good ones this week as well so stay tuned for that so we'll get into who's in the news next uh, stay tuned for that it's the Lockdown Divas Podcast So let's talk who's in the news. We're gonna talk the NBA bubble. We're gonna talk about uh, the series and what wrapped up in those particular series in East and West. And we're gonna talk about uh, the Bucks. We're gonna talk about Miami. We're gonna talk about Boston and the Raptors. We're gonna talk about the Lakers, the Clippers and the Nuggets. And um, we're also gonna talk about uh, Thursday Night Football. We're gonna talk about the Chiefs and their uh, you know, first stop in their uh, rain. I'm not gonna say rain, but in their quest to uh, repeat as champion. And we'll, t- we'll preview the NFL weekend. We'll see how we're going to do with um this new transition in the first week of the NFL season. I mean, miraculously, we got here. And we're going to, you know, talk about what we think is going to happen in the uh, NFL weekend. And uh, we got some breaking news as well. We want to break that as well for the uh, NBA front. But let's get into it, man. Let's talk about it. First of all, I mean, <laughs> my my biggest take from the week was the Bucks, Number one team, best record in the NBA, Right. You know, I mean, you can make the argument. Um, I'm not only going to use the word excuse. Make the argument that they, you know, you know, they haven't um, that time off, you know, messed their camaraderie up or whatever the case may be. But I found that most teams that are still in it, uh, you know, seem to find that that uh, groove, you know, when it came back to the bubble and they started playing again after the bumps off. You know, but overall they had the best record. I mean, you know, and if you look at it, you know, and I had questions about what they were going to do. I had questions about what the, all the top teams were going to do because they didn't play well in the bubble. I think they were just resting on their laurels, I guess, for the most part because nobody was actually, you know, playing, like, super hard and, you know, winning games down the stretch. I mean, they had their seed locked up, and, they, and it wasn't going to change for them. So, I guess they didn't feel the need to play hard. Now, did that hurt the Bucks? Did it not? I mean, we all, you know, sit here and debate that all day. But at the end game, they got sent home by the heat, you know, and – it wasn't, you know, it was very, you know, very uh sobering and very, you know, I guess you could say humbling uh from a person that picked them to go further in in the in the uh finals and well not the finals, but obviously in the playoffs. But, you know, somebody picked them to go deeper into the playoffs and somebody that picked them to be there at least in the conference finals, you know, just based upon their um their record and their team, you know, when you're having Giannis as the focal point, you know. I thought they were going further than that, and I think they, I thought they were good. But to get past the Heat, but Jesus, I mean, they got blitzed the first three games practically, and then you know they they recovered, and then Giannis got hurt, and it was just a disaster, you know. So <laughs> that begs the question, you know. I mean, is that team built to go far? You know, I mean, I think that as it's currently constructed, to be honest, you know, I feel like there's going to be a regression. It happens with every good team. You know, you formulate a good team. They don't perform to the level that you think they're going to perform. You know, they had a good regular season. They had good regular season success. And they falter in the playoffs. And it's, it, it just backtrack and backtrack and backtrack further and further and further. To the point where typically teams like that break up. You know, and then there's, you know, rumors and there's talks about where Giannis is going to do. You know, is he going to stay in Milwaukee? Is he going to go somewhere else? And I promise you this. You know, if Giannis leaves, that team is doomed. You know, I mean, we saw it. You know they fought. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that was just a you know just pride, but they fought. You know, without Giannis on the floor, but you know Middleton was a different person. You know, Bledsoe. You know, them cats. You know, they they just can't seem to you know be the same dominant you know team that they are when Giannis not on the floor. You know, I mean, you know, you can still make the argument that there wasn't much to say about that when they when the Miami took the first games off of them with Giannis in the lineup. So. I don't know. I first personally think the team's going to break up. I think this, it's they're on the road to breaking up. I think Giannis may leave, and who knows what that team's going to be like without him being on that team for a full season. You know I mean? Those couple of games, playoffs aside, you know, we kind of got a broad stroke of what it's going to look like if he's not there at all. You know, and for him too, I mean, they say he, you know, he's supposed to be the MVP and all that type of stuff, and I'm just like, you know, his caliber of play, I mean, he's, he's a freak of nature, but – you know, from being a basketball purist, you know, I, you know, watching the greats, you know, from the 80s, 90s, thousands, 2010s, you know, you have to have some type of dominant skill, you know, in playing basketball and being able to play basketball for a long time. You know, it's one thing to be a, you know, a dominant, strong, you know, force that nobody can deal with physically, but those things leave you, you know. And you have to be able to rely on, you know, a jump shot, you know, your your footwork, your, you know, you got to figure out different ways to score the basketball. And I think Giannis' biggest problem is the fact that, you know, he's getting by, but the fact that he's just freaklessly athletic, strong and, and rangy, you know, and, and as you get older, that's going to be problem for you, you know, you know, like, you need to be more KD than Shaq, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's not a really a fair comparison because it's clearly it's different positions. But you know, KD's style of play, you know, he is going to last him way longer because he has a dominant basketball skill set versus having a you know freakishly athletic ability and talent. You know, it just doesn't work. You know, for anybody long term, in my opinion, that that is a basketball player. And you want to get up into your late twenties and thirties and late thirties and play basketball at a high level, you got to develop a jump shot. You got to develop good post game, you know what I'm saying, especially for his size, you know, you know, good isolation game, you know, and get past people because it's going to be a situation where you're going to get older and these people coming up behind you are going to, get, going to be young and fast still. And you're not going to be that, that fleet of foot, you know, so you're not going to be able to power past these guys and get in the lane and get dunks, you know. So if Giannis don't develop something else to his game, you know, outside of that, I'm going to say a broken jumper his. He's not going to last long as far as being a dominant force. Let's just be honest. So, does that hurt or help him? You know, I mean, he's he's the hot ticket right now. You know, and I was, I'm sure somebody spent max money to, to get him for right now. But looking at it long term, you know, I would invest in somebody that has a good basketball skill set versus having a freelistly large amount of talent. Because, you know, physicality can leave, but your jump shot can always be there. So, he needed to develop a jump shot. But we'll see how that shakes down, uh, down the line. But I think the Bucs are going to break up at this point. You know, if, it's, if not this year, next year for sure. I mean, it's not it, – it just where they currently constructed, as you can see, and teams are getting better. You know, Miami's getting better. Boston's getting better. You know what I'm saying? Toronto are missing – I'll talk about that in a minute. They're missing one piece, I think, that's going to be – that's going to help them stay there as well because they're young. So, I think that where they currently constructed, I think they, I think that team's problematic, man. I think they need to break up and figure, figure something else out you know, or, or whatever Giannis is going to do with his off season will be questionable too, but he need to develop a jump shot point blank period. So with that same breath and same vein, we could talk about Miami. You know, I mean, we didn't, you know, I know I didn't predict them to beat the Bucks. to be honest with you. I mean, I was looking at it from a standpoint of the team that really had the ability to wall defensively wall off and have the size enough to keep Giannis out the lane as IE what Toronto did to him last year, you know, they were they were going to be able to beat them. I thought Toronto or maybe Boston was going to be the team to do it, but the Miami said, "Hold my beer." It <laughs> was like, "I got this. We we good." You know, Jimmy Butler was great. You know, just the just the you know you know Dragic and you know all them cats. They they were doing it, man. They were doing it, and you know, I mean, it just some you know it's something about having a good player that's also a good leader, and is is one of those people that have that killer instinct that Butler has that that sets people apart and he rallied his boys man he rallied these boys and they they played good defense you know you know they given they gave post post a lot of crap up over the years about his ability to coach but I think with, with the talent he has now I think they Pat Riley made a lot of right moves in in the front office and they're doing well for themselves they're doing well for themselves basketball is definitely in love with them right now as far as you know being dominant now The question's gonna come. I mean, I you know I think that you know because I actually picked Toronto. So I mean, my you know my (laughs) my my finals picks for the Eastern Conference are screwed. You know, honesty, but you know they they are um, you know Boston's gonna play um, Miami, you know, and I didn't call that. I called Toronto and Bucks, but you know I think that you know from a matchup standpoint, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be some good TV. It's definitely gonna be some good TV. I think that you know um, talent wise, scoring wise, I think Boston has the edge. But team camaraderie and team, you know, cohesion, I think that I think that uh, Miami has the edge too. And we could get seven games out of this as well. Now, I will say this. I'm, I'm a little taken back. And we're going to talk about the Boston series next. I'm a little taken back by these game sevens, right? Overall, I mean, Western Conference or East Conference. Anybody has gone to game seven has been, ooh, it's been sloppy, you know, dead legs and people run out of gas and, you know, all this type of stuff. So it's been ugly. It's been some ugly game sevens, you know. It's haven't had been a whole lot of historical performance. It's just the race to the finish line, and it's a marathon, and who who can run the who can run the longest, you know. So, I mean, I would like to see seven games, or at least a good concise six, and we can get you know some really good basketball and then get a winner. But I'll, I'll pick who I will figure out, you know. I figure out who I'm gonna think is gonna win that. I mean, I honestly, truly, you know, I might be a little biased, but you know, because I love Jason Tatum, you know, he's a he's a mama disciple. You know, and I think that, um, you know, if he can channel that, you know, that energy and that's who he wants to be like and that's who he wants to emulate and that he doesn't shy away from the moment, you know, and he carries his team, you know, and Kimba don't come up small, you know, in that series, then I think they'll, they may edge Miami out, but we'll see, you know, we'll talk about it. I mean, we have time, you know, we'll talk about it, you know, throughout the weeks, you know, because we probably got a good two weeks of this to talk about it. But, you know, I think that it's going to be a good series. So that leads me to the Toronto Boston series. It went seven games. You know, we thought Toronto was dead in water. They rallied back. You know, and you know it just wasn't enough. I mean, I think that the biggest problem with that particular that particular series was is that in this year versus last year, they just didn't have that guy. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but Kawhi made the difference in that team, man. You know, went down the stretch when you're facing a good good team. I mean, you can get by, and they did all year. They got by without having that guy because they're really good defensively. You know, Siakam was playing well. You know, you know, and you know Van Fleet was a breath of fresh air. I wasn't sure about Van Fleet's you know ability to keep going what he had going last year, but he's he showed up you know and he he played well you know up and you know he was a little bit up and down but he played he played pretty well. He knocked down some great threes you know throughout the series and you know you know you know the 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 little man Kyle Lowry you know they always you know talk bad about him and how you know. You know, ever since uh, they made that trade for Kawhi, you know, and it's like, you know, what is what is what does he mean for the team? And you know, but he he let him. You know, I think he let him as far as he could. You know, he fought. You know, he made some big shots down the stretch. You know, to push their game seven, and you know, it was a good series. I mean, it was definitely a good series. I just think that they were missing that guy, that that guy that can take over and and be that and be that difference maker down the stretch that will can combat what the Boston Celtics were doing, and they missed Kawhi. You know, or anybody that, that was had, that had an effect with him. You know they can make those clutch shots, no shot away for the moment. You know and just you know they they relish the they relish the pressure. You know, so I think that was their ultimate demise and why the Boston ended up beating them. But you know the, the series should be good, man. And like I said you know Boston and you know they jettison Toronto and they gonna face Miami, so it'll be a good series. Like I said, I want at least six good games, maybe seven. Like I said them seven games, seven games but sloppy. I don't know why. I mean you you're, you're in one you're in one place one space. You're not. Moving around, you're not traveling, you're not doing none of these crazy stuff, different arenas, stuff like that. You're in one spot, you know. You should be fresh as, as fresh can be, you know. But, but I don't know. Them game seven been sloppy, man. But I think that series should be nice. Definitely should be nice. So that leads us to the West. um You know, as of now, the, you know, the Lakers have closed out the Rockets. You know, so we're we're awaiting the winner of the um Nuggets Clippers series. Clippers are up three two, and um yeah, I'll talk about with this more in like a room. But I think that. um they definitely, you know, the Lakers will benefit by the Clippers closing this game out, you know, soon or rather than later. You know, they push a game seven. Again, that's saying that game seven is always sloppy, you know, but if, they, if the Nuggets push a game seven, who knows? But, you know, regardless of who we face, you know, I think everybody's money is on the Clippers being the person we want to face and everybody wants to see that, you know, for six or seven games. But if whoever plays, I just hope they get the series over soon and later. And I wouldn't mind the Clippers closing them out. You know that next game, that game six. I don't want to see a game seven because it's gonna make us wait longer. And every the longer we wait, the flatter we play in that first game. That it doesn't say much for what we play after that. We pick it up and and kill it after that. But it, that first game is always sloppy. And you don't want to drop a game to a team like the Clippers if you don't have to. So I hope they get that series over with. You know soon, and we're hoping we get that collision. You know the Lakers on you know L A on L A collision course in in the conference finals and. Be some good basketball, man. Be some good basketball. So, um, you know, shout out to Lakers for making the finals. Like I said, um, you know, conference finals, and you know, I talk about that more in Laker locker room, and uh, stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the Nuggets series and the, the Clippers series, but we'll see. Cause I was, I thought Clippers would, you know, we going to beat them last game, and they, you know, the Nuggets rallied, and you know, I guess the Clippers fell asleep, but we'll see. Let's move on to the NFL. You know, with NFL, you know, week one is back. You know, Thursday night football you know open up kickoffs you know for the Chiefs and the Texans and um that game you know the game had a lot going on and I'm going to talk about that for the record I paid staying two for that as well I got some things to talk about for that but it was definitely some issues with that game that were outside of you know just actual play but let's just talk about the play on the field for 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 a minute you know I think that um you know, I, I said, you know, in previous podcasts and previous segments that it's been a situation um, for the league because of the pandemic that, you know, defense will stand out early and offense will take time to get together. But Patrick Mahomes made me a liar, you know. And I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, I, I I go back and forth with the, how the, how people pre- perceive the Chiefs in a situation where you don't, you just so concerned about how how power the offense is, you, you get out of your normal thing just, things to do you know it, so you're just so concerned about keeping them from scoring a lot or you know they're going to score a lot so you put so much pressure on yourselves and you give up things that you don't normally give up to people you know and that was evident to me in how they ran right past the Texans on Thursday night you know it. you know you know, Clyde you know it was a lot and Hilaria made you know everybody believe in that first round pick that he was you know he garnered in the draft and he ran rush out on Mahomes did what he wanted he didn't seem to be bothered by the defense at all you know, and you know, I think they have a good defense in in, in Houston, but you couldn't tell that night. You know, uh, it was wild. You know, JJ Watt was largely ineffective, and their secondary was couldn't really do anything with um, the weapons they had, and you know it was bad. You know, Deshaun Watson struggled for three quarters, and you know he got kind of got going to go on the garbage time, but you know game was already decided. You know, Patrick Mahomes had his numbers; and he put up three touchdowns, I think. You know, through the you know first you know three quarters or whatever, and his, they just cruised. They just cruise, man. You know, and the Mahomes, didn't look like he missed the beat. You know, from that Super Bowl run. So, I mean, you know, the Chiefs are gonna be a team, man. You know, I, I still don't. And then this will gets me about how I perceive them because I still don't think their defense is good. You know, I mean, I said they're big three. I mean, they got they got Chris Jones, they got Frank Clark, they got Tyron Matthew. Everybody else is basic. So, I mean, if you get a, if they face a team that can score points with them and a defense that can kind of, you know, limit them or get them off the field, make them force them into kicking field goals, and, you know, and Chiefs are giving up touchdowns on the on defensive end, they can be beat. You know, it's just a question of who can do it. You know, and they, they face the Buccaneers and the, and the Saints along with the Chargers this year, so who, out of those teams that have good defenses and, and can definitely put pressure on Mahomes and and make him, you know, uncomfortable and and hopefully he will, you know, they can move the ball off, you know, offensively on them and you know, it should be interesting. But, you know, if you can't do those things, bro, it ain't going to end up well for you. So, see as yeah, the Texans see. But I think, you know, I'm going to think Deshaun going to have a good year. But uh, he just, you know, he faced that bust. So, that is the Chiefs, you know, first week. So, it ain't well for him. But it is what it is. So, we'll talk, you know, briefly about the NFL weekend. You know, Sunday is the big day. You know, we got a huge slate of games. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it is with, you know, most teams in the most, you know, stadiums not going to have fans. Um, you know, the Chiefs had a few fans in the, in the stands. Again, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's going to be a new experience, but, how, you know, how well are we going to enjoy it from a, you know, consumer perspective? If you're sitting in your home watching football, will it be a big difference? I, I, I'm, I'm I'm wondering. I'm curious about how that's going to go. I'm, I'm going to be tuned in, you know, largely, you know, see how that goes and how I feel about it. You know, they say they're going to pump some crowd noise into it sometimes. And will that work out like it, you know, worked out decently in the bubble for the NBA. So, We'll see. I mean, there's some good games on the slate. I think we, you know, it's, you know, some good matchups and the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock matchups and, and Monday night, you know, I think that Saints-Buccaneers matchup is is marquee. You know, we're going to see what Lamar Jackson's got to do at 1 o'clock. And you got to see what he's going to do against uh, you know, his uh, favorite team, the Browns. He, you know, he seems to have a really good game against the Browns all the time. So, uh, you know, Lamar coming off the MVP season and see what he's going to do. And uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, man. I think, you know, overall, I think it's going to be an interesting you know, it's week one and, you know, Hopefully, you know, COVID stays down and we can keep things going and, you know, hopefully they're doing what they can do to, you know, to, to keep this you know, away so we can have a good NFL season, man. But, um, you yeah, know, that's going to wrap it up. That's going to wrap it up for who's in the news. Uh, stay tuned for For the Record. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. All right, let's talk for the record. It's widely anticipated in this podcast. I've been publicizing it all throughout here. And uh, we're going to talk about some interesting topics here today, man. I think um, some things need to be said about the NFL and uh, what's been going on um, uh, from a publicity perspective. You know, I think that NFL is tripping all over themselves in in certain regards, man. I think that it's it's something that, you know, they're – trying to clear up their mess you know it and i'm not sure if they're doing well and being to be honest with you you know it's a, one of those way to be seen things you know because you make a lot of promises but you know it's almost like they're running a political campaign you know i make all these promises to get your voter confidence right but what i deliver on them is, is, a, is the question and that's how i feel about the nfl um we're gonna start with uh, <laughs> with with you know some hot news in regards to uh you know what they did um, from a partnership with EA. First and foremost, you know, of course, we all know. You know, we talked about you know Goodell discussing Kaepernick and uncomfortable conversations and all that good jazz. You know, in previous uh, segments, but you know, you know, they still haven't um, given Kaepernick you know his just due as far as an apology and as far as a uh, you know you know giving him penance for you know for him to be for him being a trailblazer in this movement, you know, you know, they really, you know, ostracized him and you know, they whiteballed him and I'm going to say black boy, white him and refused to give him a job. Once San Francisco let him go, um, in his last season in the NFL. And he not seen, um, uh, uh, a job, you know, since, I mean, you know, there's been smoke screens about certain organizations that they wanted to bring him in to try him out. And, you know, never really, you know, some people have brought him in to talk and, they, they didn't even working a man out. I mean, they didn't see whether he had anything from a football acumen. They just talked to him and never signed him. You know, weird. But what the NFL did, because I'm going to say the NFL did it, because EA doesn't do anything from a partnership perspective when it comes to their game, talking about Madden here, without the NFL's blessing, right? So they decided, you know, and I think there's a lot of controversy around this situation as well, But they decided to put Colin Kaepernick back into the game this year, right? Now, there's a lot of issues around Madden itself. I mean, you know, the game was large, you know, well, I don't say it's largely developed. It was partly developed during the pandemic. You know, I don't know if you want to use that an excuse of why the game has had the lowest rating of all sports games in recent history. But They've, you know, gotten some definitely some backlash over the past few months about their lack of a de- attention to detail of the franchise and and things of that nature and the gameplay being, you know, wild. Let's just use the word wild, you know, and very largely not simulation football like they advertise, you know. So a lot of people are saying that, you know, this move and putting Colin Cameron back in the game was just a PR stunt for them to get uh, some positive energy towards their game and get people playing their game because I guess they call themselves we're trying to right the wrong of taking them out of the game in, in, in its own right. And, and I call it a question that, too, because, you know, certain uh, people that work for EA, at least on the bad front, say that, you know, yes, if they're not on a team, they don't necessarily have their rights and they have to pay for it, and this, that, and the third. But, you know, but certain people are that are not big-time names, you know, are always in free agency, and they don't, never make a team. You know, like, let's – prime example, you know, Jay Ajayi. J.J., he's been in free agency in the past free Maddens and never was on a team to begin with, and never was. But he was in free agency to start of Madden. So, you know, that's that's smoking mirrors again to me too. You know, and like I said I feel like I'm talking the NFL when we're talking to EA a lot of times. They do this whole lot of they do a whole lot of politicking and, and and pandering. You know, when people get after them about what they're doing, you know. So the idea of putting Colin Kaepernick in the game, you know, is in my mind, a little late, you know, you know, I'm not sure if they'll put him in that ultimate team mode as well, but he's in franchise and he's on the games of free agent. So if you start a franchise, you can sign him. And he's actually higher rated than a lot of the quarterbacks that are on starting teams right now. They're starting his quarterback on certain teams, which is interesting in his own right. But, you know, I think he's like an 81 overall to start and he has really good stats. I mean, to be in his 30s and he has really good stats. But, you know, I think that was a PR stunt, you know, beyond honesty. You know, because I still don't feel like the NFL, you know, and from organization and the coach's perspective, and organ in the owners' perspective, have any intention of signing Colin Kaepernick. I mean, it was that's indicative of that bogus workout they had. You know, trying to make him sign affidavits and, and contracts about how, you know, he was, you know, not li- They're not liable for certain things, and you know, any lawyer that read these things advised anybody, including Kaepernick, to not sign these particular, you know. I guess you can say le- pieces of legislation, you know, that they try to force him to do in order to have this work out. And does you haven't really taken him serious as a football player ever since he made this move as b- being standing for social injustice. So NFL can miss me with that whole, I want to add him back to Madden thing. You know, I mean, I, I might, I mean, I'm, I'm a Madden player. I might, I might sign him and just to prove a point and just score a couple touchdowns with him and just screenshot it and, and send it over social media. Who knows? You know, and then they got the whole he celebrates with a black fist instead of, you know, doing his normal celebration he did in the game when he was a player. Weird it again. You know, again, I think that you just you just overly just trying to sell us on the idea that you're for the movement when it was, when it's comfortable for you to do it now. You know, again, I feel like it's still, I feel like it's political promises and smoke and mirrors, and whether you are going to do anything um, real is still up for debate. You know, because I still don't see, you know, you know, from a team to team perspective, I still see a whole lot of minority coaches being hired, you know, it's in, in critical positions, you know, front office or coaching, you know, that still hasn't happened. And, you know, will that happen down the line? You know, we just have to wait and see. But, you know, like I said, I think everybody's getting on this train right now because it's comfortable. You know, when you really stand for something, you get on that, you get on that particular aspect or that particular topic or that particular belief when it's uncomfortable and you're just tired of dealing with BS you know, and I think the NFL, you know, is just really fumbling, man. And, you know, and I use the term on purpose, they're really fumbling and they are just kicking the ball around and nobody can pick it up and run with it properly. And it's, it's really wild for me, you know, and that leads me to the whole idea of them doing these initiatives and, you know, protesting, you know, putting in racism and things of that nature in, in, in the fields of play and, having these solidarity moments and stuff like that and you know leaving it up to teams to just you know protest how they want you know but I see a lot of divisiveness in in this organization as a whole you know and I think you know they really need to take a page out of the NBA's book you know and I hate to you know I don't want to say I hate to say it but it's one of those things where you know I've had to you know pick a 1A 1B you know you know football would be my 1A and, and NBA would be my 1B right you know and and but from an ownership perspective, you know, in the organization as a whole, you know, Adam Silver runs a way better organization than NFL does. That's just period. And they need to take a page out of their book, you know. But but that goes back to just your own personal beliefs. Because you, like I alluded to before about how everybody has their own methodology, how they're treating their COVID situation and things of that nature. You know, they every team, you know, from top to bottom, had their own ideology. Their, owner, their owners have their own ideology about what they believe, who they support. And who they uh, are going to back, you know, from a money standpoint and from a political standpoint. Because, you know, people that don't have money, they vote with the people that's going to protect their money. That's just it. You know, and all these owners have millions of dollars, not billions of dollars. So, you know, they vote red a lot. Let's be real. They vote red a lot. Now, it's not as radical in certain regards, you know, voting red for certain people, at least local and, you know, state. But, you know, voting for the top office in voting red or voting for Senate and Congress voting red. That's a whole different part of game, you know, because it they, you know, they've gotten wildly way more radical in supporting something that you are are publicly denouncing. So, you know, how quietly are they feeling about that? Because let's be real, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that support racist ideology that i'm sure not happy with the fact that that your team is quote unquote protesting the idea of you saying in racism and even in social injustice and in police brutality so what are you doing you know behind the sheets or behind the curtain you know you know in closed doors you know what what, what is really being signed into law from your organization perspective versus what are you saying publicly and that's the interesting thing about this country man you know, a lot of people, When I think I, this would be a testament to people who used to check your friends because this goes from your friends all the way up to people that are rich and in power and run businesses you work for and things of that nature. You really should understand who you're dealing with, who you're working for, and who you hang around, because a lot of people can smile on your face, but, you know, are complicit in the idea of supporting people that aren't for you at all and totally want to support an ideology that is not against that's not for your particular well-being you know you got a lot of people to to support these cops that that brutalize that brutalize people in the streets you know and you know i feel like politicians are in a a, you know in a a quandary even if you are progressive it's because you know these police people that you know run these streets or you know work for these organizations and these police unions they protect these politicians as well so it's like do you want to piss off the people that's protecting you because there's other people out here that, that don't want to do harm because they don't they don't jive with what you do you know so that's a whole another conversation but just drilling on owners as, as a whole man like they are really they are really you know in the shadows with it you know and i and, I, and you know and i don't you know i can't say i knock the idea of you supporting people that support your views and support your money you know, because let's be real, you know, certain red organizations, you know, you know, political organizations, they support, you know, making the rich richer and taking a little money away from them and taking it all away from the moderate to the poor, you know, and that's, you know, if you're going to look at it from the standpoint of this man's going to keep, keep money in my pocket, so I'm just going to, I was going to avoid or turn my back on the idea of what he's doing to others, then that's your prerogative, I guess. But, I mean, I can't support that, you know, from a from a from a you know a, a, just a normal person's st- standpoint, you know. But again, that goes back to the whole idea: what the, what these owners really doing in real life, as versus what they're giving as for as lip service. So, I, I mean, and they've been doing it for years, and so I don't believe the NFL when it comes to them saying that they're you know want to support this movement and they want to see equality want to see end the police brutality they want to see these things happen but if you really want to see these things happen and you're really about that life and really about change you need to support people that make laws and and can make change in this country and make the justice system fair for all you need to vote for these people as well and that goes from state local to federal you know, all the way up to to the Supreme Court level. If you have power to affect these changes for these people that are supportive or complicit in the ideology of having white supremacists and racist people in these political positions in power and they are complicit or okay or support the idea of brutalizing, killing and maiming people of color, then you need if you really wanna be about it, you need to not support those people. You know, if that requires you to pay a little more in taxes, then so be it, if you're really about it. You know, if that requires you to lose out on a couple of hundreds of thousands of dollars, then fine. You know, you're a businessman, you're savvy. I'm sure you can figure out how to make it back. You know, Jeff Bezos got divorced, took half his, you know, money, gave it to his ex-wife and didn't miss a beat because he knows that he's going to make it back. You know, so to understand what your worth is and realize what you're gonna do with your money and just won't worry about your money so much and worry about change if you're gonna say it. That's what you're gonna say, that's what you're gonna be about. Outside of that, don't lie to me and tell me, you know, don't lie to the public and tell people that you're about this movement and you are really not and you're really complicit in supporting people that are okay or can turn a blind eye or be oblivious to the fact that people are in power support racist ideologies and police brutality and that's just it man NFL owners as a whole you know you know you know I'm not even gonna point fingers I mean because we, we know there's certain organizations that are really really good old boy like you know and they support that they support that movement now whether it's radical or whether it's covert they support it you know because it's radical right now it used to be covert back in the day Used to be, you know, behind closed doors. You kind of knew that that was what was going on, but it wasn't in the public eye. But it's in the public eye now, and it's very radical. And they double down, triple down, and quadruple down on it every day. So you know who you voted for. You know who you support. You know who who back fills your teams and kicks you money back. And if you're more comfortable with that and allow other things to go on in the world, then you're really not about that movement. And just stop saying it. Period. Just stop saying the period, man. And that leads me to the issue of the NFL fans that were in the stands. Now, I, I spoke about the whole idea of people being in the stands, right? You know, and for my understanding, what's, you know, Sunday's going on, when well, Sunday's here, you know, most people won't have fans, right? But Dallas said they're going to have fans, For my understanding. KC had fans on Thursday, right? So let's talk about that. The city of Kansas City has had a lot of ugly history when it comes to minorities in this country, especially blacks. They got a lot of history, a lot of bad history, right? You know, and a lot of those areas haven't changed, progressed a whole lot over this, these 120 years of, you know, change when it comes to how people are seen virtually, you know, I'm not going to say physically, but how they virtually viewed in the public eye, right? You know, but there's certain places in this country that just haven't changed a whole lot. They're really, you know, you, it's a lot of southern states you can go to that still got that Jim Crow feel. There's a lot of Midwestern states that still got that, you know, racist ideology. You know, you've seen videos on social media. I'm sure everybody's seen them. You know, certain parts of the, you know, place that they protested Black Lives Matter and they've gotten berated by all kind of racist people, you know. And like I said, Kansas City has one of those, It's 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 dicey. You know, it's a few. You know, (laughs) it's it's some progressive people there, but it's still a lot. It's real dicey, and and the police department isn't. You know, doesn't have a good record either. Let's just let's just be real about it, right? So, I wasn't surprised by the idea of them. (laughs) They, you know, and well, I wasn't surprised by the booing, right? I'm gonna say that, but I, but what what struck me as odd is that. They played the national anthem. They played the black national anthem. Nobody really said anything, right? You know, and the going back and forth, the Texans State in the locker room, the Chiefs on the field, you know, everybody going back and forth. And I'll discuss that in a minute. But everybody going back and forth about, you know, how they want to protest and what they want, and the way they want to protest. You know, there's no – a whole lot of solidarity in in it, you know, um, if you were on the field, but whatever. Um, but they when they came together and unified and stood arm in arm for this particular cause – the fans booed. They booed. And <laughs> and I I have to say, I wasn't surprised, but how how distasteful and how, you know, blatantly overtly racist are you to boo in that particular in, in that particular moment. You know, and you got two franchises who are two b- prominent black quarterbacks who just got paid big money, you know, to be the future of those franchises and gonna be their quarterback for a good long time. And you had the audacity to boo them uh, like an arm in arm in unity. I mean come on man I mean come on bro like like for real you know as a Chargers fan I would never go to Kansas City to four game you couldn't pay me you could pay me to go I mean I knew that long before I started this podcast and doing these shows I knew that but you know it's it just makes it even worse now like you know you can hand me you know 50 yard line seats and you know all access pass and all pay all expense paid I'm not going Can't do it won't do it just like I won't drive in certain areas that I know are overtly racist, you know, because I don't want to deal with the drama, you know. So I know I know better than go to Kansas City as a Chargers fan or just as a, as a sports personality. I know not to go, but <laughs> they show their true colors, and we know, you know, it, it, the Kansas City Chiefs colors are red, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in that state that's who they're voting for. So, so but lastly, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about the protest and how people are treating it you know and, it, and this goes back to my whole idea about brian erlacher right when i brought brian erlacher like up about his issue and his stupid ass comments right I, you know and again that goes back to my comment about people's about checking your friends because you know and my issue is this: how can you go to war and this goes for current players and past players how can you go to war with people that are that swore to protect you in battle you know because let's be real the you know, game of football, and I know this from personal experience because I played the game. Yeah, you know, I played the game all the way to the college level. It's a best. It's, it's a. It's a battle, and you got to be able to trust the eleven guys that you're rocking with at this at any particular point in time that you're on the field with, right? Because at any particular point in time, if they don't protect you or do their job like they what they're supposed to, you can get yourself severely hurt, right? I mean, detrimentally hurt. You know, I mean, to the point where you could be debilitated and things of that nature. So, and you know, we don't want to wish that on anybody, but regardless of that fact you have to look at it from a standpoint of if you can go to war with me, you should support me. Period. Like, you can't sit here and tell me that you you know, support indirectly or directly racist folks, but you can you can work with me, you can go to battle with me, you can play ball with me, and all this kind of stuff, but You okay or complicit with the fact that things happen negatively towards me because I'm a person of color. And, but yet you can do all the other things with me and be cool with me. I don't get that. How do you be two faced like that? I don't get it. I can never be that type of person. How can you be two faced like that? You know, and, you know, and just to criticize from Brian Brian Erlacher's perspective, to criticize people's protesting, you know, basketball, NFL alike or anybody that doesn't stand in solidarity with your teammates who go to war with you, who protect you, who ride for you and stand in solidarity with them, you know, regardless of who you affect, you know, I mean, let let's be real as long as you can go home to your wife and your wife is okay with the idea of you supporting your teammates in any facet, you know, outside of that, who, who cares about who criticizes you for being, in support of your teammates because they ride for you and they got your back period so how can you sit here and say that you can do one thing in the shadows and be up front act like you know it's all claps and all love when we on the field, but you really are complicit when we walk out the door and go left and go right you're okay with me being brutalized as long as you can go home and be good selfish selfish man so i think the nfl team wise just y'all need to get together Get together, man, and be unified in what you do. I like what the Texans did. Everybody stay in the locker room. If you all gonna stay in the locker room, stay in the locker room. we all gonna kneel, we're gonna kneel. You know, you know, I mean, everybody has their own right to protest or whatever. But, you know, if nothing else, you know, put your, touch your brother. And if you're gonna stand and he kneels, touch him. Let him know that you're here with him. I'm gonna put my hand on my heart. I'm gonna stand, you kneel, and we're gonna do it like that. But you know, don't. Be people that, oh, I don't care what the rest of the team does. I'm i want to stand. You know, I'm just. It, it's about me. I'm gonna do what I want to do, and how I'm, I'm gonna protect my brand versus protecting the people that's gonna ride with you. Because let's be real, the more they look at that and they realize that you're not about what they're about, the less likely they're gonna be the the block for you or do anything for you or be there for you when you really need them. You know, that's just it. You gotta have you gotta have a certain amount of loyalty if you want people to protect you from the game of football. But I do what I do. But I think that's just it, man. I think that's just it. Owners, y'all need to y'all need to take a page out of NBA's book, you know, how they run their organization and let people protest. And I'm not saying all the NBA owners are clean, you know, but the but the picture they paint is a way better picture than the NFL paints. That's just real. You know, that cabinet stuff went mad, and I think that was just a PR stunt, you know, from EA's perspective. And of course, they got the, EA, the NFL's blessing to do that, so. But that's it, man. I'm going to wrap up for the record for this week. I think I've spoken enough on this topic, but... I think that, you know, we got a long way to go. And don't let people fool you and give you a bunch of political promises and never deliver on anything, man. Hold their feet to the fire and make them hold true to what they say. And that's just it. This is the Lockdown Divas Podcast. Stay tuned for Charter's Corner. back with charges corners the lockdown defense podcast i'm your host coach defense let's talk charges news man uh, we get ready to start the season we got the Bengals first week um yeah i'm i have no doubt you know despite what we got going on roster wise you know i think we're going to take that game um you know the Bengals are definitely rebuilding you know and joe burrows or no preseason and you know I think, we, you know, with our defense, I think we're going to be straight regardless. You know, it's one of those games where, you know, you're not sure how your offense is going to do, but, you know, you know the team that you're facing is is even worse off than you. So, I think we're going to be out here in that regard. But, yeah, um, you know, just recapping, we you know, the preseason or a training camp, because there was no preseason, obviously. You know, recapping that, I think that um, we had a good training camp. I mean, I had to watch Hard Knocks this week and <laughs> – Whew. I'm sure all Chargers fans felt what I felt when we actually had to see and watch Derwin James actually get hurt. Rough, man. It was rough. Uh I, I mean it's it, it, it's tough, man. I mean, you know, just you can hit an inflection of in my voice, man. He was definitely, you know, he's you know, I, I mean, not just as my team and just from uh just when he's on the field, man, if you know, of course and Chargers don't get as much you know, national coverages and other teams, but, you know, just watching him on the field, man, you know, he's a difference maker, you know, and he's, you know, I, I have to give it to Jamal Adams right now for being one of the best young safety because, you know, he stays healthy, but, you know, when Derwin on the field, he makes an argument, you know, for that, you know, particularly one of the best safeties in the league and not the best, you know, because I think he's really good at man coverage on top of being a really good hard-hitting safety. He blitzes well, he plays coverage well, he's fast, he's rangy, he's agile, you know, and, he, and like I said, he plays physical. So I mean, and that just could be his detriment a little bit. You know, because you know he hurt his knee meniscus in college, and you know he did it to the other knee this time. So now he now has two meniscus repairs on, on his leg. So you know, it's concerning. It's concerning. You know, and I, I was so excited about Derwin. I don't usually don't do this. You know, until I have realized that he's gonna, these guys are gonna be charges for a long time. But you know, even guys we draft. You know, I don't. You know, until he signed that second deal. I don't typically buy the jersey if I'm a fan of their particular, you know, play. But I did for Derwin. I was super excited, and he fell to us, and I was like, "Man, this is this kid gonna change the game for us," you know. And it was rough seeing him get hurt, man. He's gonna be gone for the whole season, you know. So, I, you know, it changes my outlook on the on the team a little bit. You know, I still think we're gonna have success. I Still think we're gonna make the playoffs, but you know, it's 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 different now, you know. And I think that um, you know, I still think that Sir Adley's gonna make a difference. I think he, I think him and Derwin together would have been much better for our defense, especially on the back end, for coverage and run support than what we're dealing with now. You know, so I previewed the defense real quick. I previewed the offense last week. So, you know, up front, you know, 4-3 four, four, style, although I think we had a 3-4 package um, in our particular uh, arsenal, but, you know, 4-3 base. So we got, you know, Melvin Ingram and Joy Boston outside. We got Val Jones on the inside, along with Justin Jones, who will be spelled by uh, Jerry Tillery, our first-round draft pick from last year. A star linebackers in the middle. I'm happy about this. Kenneth Murray is starting in the middle. I'm happy about this. I can't wait to see this kid play ball, man. You know, young kid, but he's you know, I mean, he's he's talented. He's a star, man. He's a star, starting to make I just hope he stays healthy. I just can't, I can't stomach the idea of him getting hurt on top of Deron being hurt. So hopefully he stays healthy. Got Drew Twinkle on one side, um, and they're going to. I guess they're going to play, you know, situational with their third linebacker from a base perspective. I mean, you, you're going to rotate Perryman and White, you know, and those guys. So, you know, mix and match and also maybe at an outside linebacker perspective, you know, you then rush them on a D-line to get the extra rusher and obvious passing situations. So you got those pieces and very good, solid uh, front seven to me. And you got, you know, depth. You know, because like I said, you got Jerry Tilly filling in the interior line along with Isaac uh, Rochelle and a few other guys, and you got you know Chenna, you know who's you know who's bulked up a little bit this year, still fast, still quick, still rangy, you know, more athletic, you know, version of Melvin Ingram in a lot of regards. You know, he don't have the pass rush savvy yet that Melvin has, but he's working on it, and Melvin's teaching him. So you know, we'll see what he does, and I think he'll be, you know, he'll take a leap this year. So you know, our front seven is great, you know, and. You know, what can we say about our corners? And you got Casey Hayward who's one, you know, pro football focus has rated him, you know, the 90 percentiles in the last three years, as far as coverage is concerned. What can you say about that? You know, even if a little bit older, he's still elite. You got Chris Harris in the free agency, you know? So, hey, you know, you got two, you know, high percentile, you know, shutdown type corners and people will sleep on Desmond King as being a really good outside the slot guy, special teams guy and you know very agile very you know very physical you know nickel corner who's going to you know be able to uh, you know contend that secondary to me is going to be able to contend with you know the high powerness of the receivers that we got to face i mean you're looking at it from the chief's perspective you're looking at it from the broncos who revamped their receiving core they got you know they got judy they got sutton you know they got weapons They're Fant, you know so we definitely you know got a we did right by beefing up our secondary in order to face these guys because we gotta to have to face a lot of receivers. You know, even with the Raiders, on you know, Tyrell Williams went down unfortunately. You know, former Charger, he went down. You know, in injury, but I think that you know they still got Rugs and 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 Fro and those guys. They got a nice receiving core. So you know, you gotta have secondary people to cover, man. Even if you got a good front seven, you gotta cover. So you know, and even with the back end, with Adderley and and Rashawn Jenkins, I think. You know, I, th- I think we should probably should have made a move for somebody like Eric Berry or maybe even Earl Thomas. I'm still, I'm, I'm questioning about Earl Thomas, man. I just think he got character issues reason why people ain't really jiving with him. But, you know, regardless, I think that, you know, we could have made a, you know, decent, you know, mid-level exception rule and then sign a free agent. You know, like I said, Eric Reed is still out there. I think we, he would have been great for us. You know, I think we could have signed Eric Reed. We could have signed, you know, uh, Eric Berry. You know, I'm sure he would have loved to go against his former team and stay in the division. You know, I think you got to some 11 left in the tank, physical guy. You know, but you know we're gonna rock with Rashad. You know, and that's, and I think that's still gonna be fine. But I got questions about with Jenkins. Jenkins is very athletic. I, don't get me correct, Don't get me wrong. Very athletic guy. I got questions about his playmaking ability. So we'll see. You know, I think Derwin covered for him a lot when he was you know in the in the lineup. So him and the Dejounte Phillips. So we'll see how it shakes out, man. But I do love our defense still. You know, I think we you know we're still missing some pieces. But you know with Derwin being out, but. That was a huge miss, but you know, for us. But I think we're gonna be all right though, defensively. You know, I just feel like office is questionable for me. You know, um, we have some, you know, a few injuries and a few guys questionable for the game, and I don't think they're gonna play. I think Pouncy's not gonna play. Um, so we gotta move Finney over and we're gonna start Lamp. Now I'm okay with starting Lamp at guard. I'm okay with that. Actually, I really wish he would start the tackle and get Tevy out of there, man. Jesus Christ. I mean, if I was if I were Ty Rotella, I'd be concerned. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. If I'd be concerned about that about that left tackle position, man, because it's 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 I don't I, I don't care with what Anthony Lynn said because I feel like he had to say, you know, put this vote of confidence in integrity to protect Tyrod's blind side. But, you know, I don't see somebody making that much leap and bounce of being that awful last year, that this year, that being to a point where he can protect Tyrod and not have him run for his life. But we'll see, man. But Lamb's gonna move in the guard. Feeney's gonna play center. Of course we got block and Trey Turner on the right side. You know and we'll see but i think we'll be all right this week you know i think we're gonna be all right this week i mean you know hand the ball to act and i'm, I'm not sure if mike williams is gonna play he's uh he's been practicing you know but he hasn't been taking no contact so i'm not sure how the good the bad the shoulder is so if he plays and hunter henry plays and also Ackler out there justin jackson joshua kelly tyrod you know mr mistake free they call him so i think that we'll be fine with the with the Bengals, but we'll see you know going forward because our schedule gets tougher after that and i'll preview that in a second but overall, I think we're going to be all right, man. I think Hard Knocks was a win. You know, I think we definitely, you know, we people we put our eyes on, you know, gave the world eyes on our organization and gave us some, you know, some better press that we aren't getting from the normal media, national media. So we'll see. Yeah, but overall, man, I think we're going to be all right. You know, I think like I, said, I think we're going to make the playoffs. It might be a wild card this month because, man, the Chiefs look good on Thursday. <laughs> I can't even front, you know. And I think they're going to be a problem, not just for us, but everybody as a whole in the league, you know, because I think the offense is still really good despite the pandemic and not being able to practice. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll go over there. You know, before we wrap this segment, I will go over there what my expectations are now from, you know, my preview segment and, you know, see because of our injuries, boy, I think we're going land. So we'll go over the schedule real quick. The Bengals this week, I think we'll take that one. Now Kansas City, now, we are home for this one. I think the Kansas City game is—I mean, it's winnable. Don't get me wrong; it's winnable. It just really—I need to see what the offense looks like against Cincinnati, and you know whether or not we move the ball at will. If we do that, you know, because I don't—I don't have faith in Casey's defense. I think—I think people get get so, I guess you can say, nervous about playing them because the offense is so good. Because I think the defense is trash. I think the overall—I mean, I saw Tyre Matthews and a couple of guys, you know, uh, Frank Clark and 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 Chris Jones—I mean, they. They, they don't have anybody else you know if you take care of those guys then you can move the ball on them in my opinion but you just you get so in your in your own head about the idea that obviously score will you feel like you just can't do nothing wrong and that people get to put, put too much pressure on themselves you know so if we can move the ball against kc even if they move the ball against us i think it's still be a good game and of course to me i feel like our rivalry with them is just like the you know NFC East rivalry is that you can throw the records out the book so we could take that game, but you know I think we might split with them at least. So if we beat them this game, I think we will lose to them, you know, at the end of the season, which I'd rather not have it losing at the end of the season. But you know, but although we don't know what that game even means, I mean, because it might not mean anything for the Chiefs; they might not even play their starters. Who knows? So we could take one or two from them. It depends, but um, I'm sure it would be Carolina. Now this stretch, this particular stretch is tough because we got Tampa Bay and the Saints back to back, and they're both away. And I feel like the NFL hates us in regards to our schedule sometimes because they just love to send us on these crazy trips. They sent us on a, a ridiculous away trip, you know, a couple of seasons ago, and this and a third, even though we made the playoffs, we dealt with it. You know, we fought, sent us to London and sent us on a crazy East Coast trip. It was weird, but we got Tampa Bay and we got New Orleans back to back. Now Tampa Bay to me is 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 iffy, but I, I got a feeling we're gonna lose to the Saints in primetime on Monday night, and they got us on ESPN that night. Jesus Christ. Whew, that's gonna be rough, man. That's gonna be rough. I just I think this thing's gonna be too high powered, you know, for us. They'll just, they may, you know, just be able to get eke out there to one or two scores that'll be the difference maker. But I mean, like I said, you know, it all depends on what we do, uh, you know, offensively up until that point. I know we'll be the Jets, I know we'll be the Dolphins, I know we'll be the Jags, I have no c- question we'll be the Raiders. I think we'll in Denver, I think we'll. I think we'll beat Denver. I, I don't, you know, I've really got questions with Vaughn being gone and, and Chapman not really being healthy. I, and the defense got questions, period. I think we'll beat Denver, too. The Bills will be a good game and it's probably be cold at this point, you know, so it's iffy with that game, but I'm sure it'll be the Patriots. I'm sure it'll be the Falcons. I'm sure it'll be the Raiders again, beat the Denver again. And then, like I said, it depends on what that Kansas City game means at the end of the season, whether or not they got, you know, home field locked up or whatever the case may be, because they don't, may or may not have lost to, you know, anybody but us or anybody, the Saints or the Buccaneers. You know, it depends on what that game means for anybody. You know, might not mean, you know, so that game's a wild card. But I think we'll have a good season, man. So we'll see. I mean, I'll be locked in, loaded, you know, every game. Got my Sunday ticket package loaded and I'm gonna be tuned in heavy. So we'll see what the Chargers do, man. I, you know, I have a really good feeling about the season. I really wish, you know, say this to Anthony Lynn, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, I really wish you'd have got Cam Newton to play quarterback with us as being a bridge for Justin Herbert rather than Tyrod Taylor. But I'm gonna believe in Tyrod, and I want you to be that Bills version of Tyrod and get us to the playoffs. And I'll talk. I'll take back everything bad I said about you. But outside of that, man, this is Chargers Corner. Um, you know, go boats. So I'm you know, I'm happy the season is going. You know, starting and love, love to see my team back on the field and hopefully we'll have a great season. I Hope we won't be like previous years and just get rid of with injury in the first half and just got to fight the second half of the season and and just don't check out for as well as it should. You know, because on paper we look really good. I just hope that we stay healthy in this pandemic. So that'll be y'all's Corner for this segment, man. Uh, You know, we'll stay tuned for Lakers. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Are back with Lagos Locker Room. It's the Lockdown Divas Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Man, <laughs> what can I say, man? I mean, <laughs> it's almost like Jacqueline Hyde from last week to this week, right? You know, and I think that, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a double down on me being critical of my team, right? Because when I speak critical and, and, and you know, I don't want to say negative, but when I speak The truth about my team in certain regards about things we need to do better they do better so and I hope that's going to carry over into this next round because we are officially in the Western Conference Finals man we are officially in the Western Conference Finals so yeah man you know we closed out the Rockets you know Saturday night and um, it was ugly (laughs) you know it was ugly man and I I admire I admire the fact that, you know, they made the effort in the switch. I mean, you know, I I still don't like the idea. I mean, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the, with the Dallas and uh, um in the Clippers series. I mean, it's three two at this point. You know, I was I was surprised the, the Clippers didn't close them out last game, but I mean, you know, they want to win away from meeting us in the final in the conference finals. But you know, you that Dallas team is interesting. I mean, you know, at this point, everybody wants to see the Clippers and the Lakers. Obviously, everybody that's what everybody wants to see, but. You know, what it could, what concerns me is that if Dallas takes another game off of them and they go to game seven, it's going to push us into further waiting for the next round. Right. And that seems to be Achilles heel in, in the games that we've dropped. Right. Because every time we've waited long for to play somebody, you know, it's been an issue with us playing, coming out, playing, playing like we supposed to play. You know, and, you know, starting early and starting often, you know, with, you know, doing the thing, dominant things that we have been trying to do all season, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned if Dallas takes another game off, and it, 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 we're going to be waiting three or four or five days to play, you know, the first game. And, you know, that don't typically bode well for us. We lost the first game to Portland waiting on them, and we lost the first game to the uh, Houston Rockets because they pushed the game seven. So if they force a game seven, so we're looking at it. I think they'll play Sunday and then they'll play Tuesday. So at earliest we'll play is Thursday, and that'll be that'll be five days. That'll be five days off, man. Uh go ahead and close them out, Clippers. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, man, close for our sake, close them out. So if we close them out today, we'll see y'all Tuesday, right? You know, and then and we'll just get it popping. And it won't be too long of a over, over uh, I guess you can say layover. Call it a layover. And we will, you know, we can get us popping, but just go ahead and close them out, man. Cause, uh, that long wait, I don't want to drop a game to them at all, you know, because of that, you know, regardless of what we do, you know, going forward, I don't want to drop a game to them just because of that. So let's go ahead and, uh, go ahead and close them out, Clippers. Do you got, you, I like Jamal Murray and Jokic and them, This young, good, good young boys, but go ahead and close them out, man. So we can get this thing popping. But yeah, man, I mean, just recapping the series, you know, with the Rockets you know, I think that, um, you know, we came out really flat in the first game like i alluded to in the previous podcast and you know since then you know they definitely you know vogel and you know i, and I i've been quiet about vogel you know um you know and it's just it could be collaborative effort i don't know is just vogel's call us by himself or it's just a collaborative effort between the team and the coaching staff as a whole right but you know i give him credit for changing his lineup a little bit and changing um you know the way he's doing things and the energy level being different because that was a key you know, in two, three, you know, games two, three, four and five, you know, that was the key to, you know, our total 180 flip, you know, as far as, you know, playing like a championship caliber team when we, you know, we went from, you know, look like old men to, you know, young dominant, you know, I'm trying to win a chatty, you know, type of team. And that was just, you know, total, total flip you know, play fast, play g- better defense, you know. And the de- To me, the defense got better as the series got went on. You know, I mean, I always said the Rockets are feast the family. You know, you know, if they get high from three and they're allowed to get in lane and draw fouls and, you know, and just dominate you from the outside, then it's rough. You know, they can come back from any deficit. You know, they can be down. Cause they, hell, they were down 21 to us at one point. You know, and they brought that all the way back and was leading at one point in that game. You know, so, you know, it, it's not, don't sleep on them. Don't do that. Because they definitely will have you uh, wondering how you lost that game at the end. But, you know, regardless, you know, I think that, um, you know, it was just a, one of those things where we just hunkered down, you know. And I think outside of one game, I believe that was game four. LeBron didn't have a, you know, a great game. You know, it was mild. But, I mean, everybody else had such a great game that he didn't have to do anything. You know, and you and you need that. You need that. You need a supporting cast to come on. I think AD's been solid. And consistent throughout this whole series. You know, he's definitely been giving this A game, you know, and I need to continue to do that. You know, I, I say it before, I say it again. If y'all come out and search yourselves and be dominant, there's nobody, there's no one, two men in this league that can guard either one of you. So you just have to be assertive, dominant, and when it's time to take the game over, take the game over. When you need buggers, get buggers, you know, and everybody else will come along with you. You know, I mean, you can just see the energy, especially in the last game. You know, they just, they just, they just jumped out, jumped on them boys and never looked back, you know, and they couldn't do nothing against us. You know, it, you know, it was a 20 some point win. You know, I mean, what can you say? I do kind of feel like they kind of gave up towards the end, rockets-wise, but outside of that, man, like, you know, you got to keep that energy up and you got to play even better and play even, even more refined basketball as you get deep into the playoffs. You know, so now, you know, people got film on you. They've been watching you. And like I said it before and I said it again, the games are going to get harder. The you know, Clippers are not the Rockets, or and the Rockets were in the Trailblazers. So the games will get get harder and harder, and you know, you know, from a defensive caliber, that team is is definitely stout. You know, and they they're very you know deep as far as talent is concerned. You know, on the bench, they got people that can throw at you defensively. You know, all game, and it'd be fresh bodies, and they ain't no six, seven, eight man rotation. You know, they probably go 10, 11, 12 sometimes, depending on what what Doc want to do. So. Like I said, I think, you know, I feel like we're going to play the Clippers. I mean, I think that's going to be the happening. I think everybody wants to see that anyway. So I think we're going to do that, you know, and I think we, it's going to be a really good series. I probably going to go seven, you know, and uh, we're going to get it popping, man. I think that, you know, I think, that, you know, I need, I need LeBron's best performance and the AD's best performance. You know, I need the job to step it up one more tick, you know, and get these things done. And we'll talk about it more once it becomes official. But, you know, we ready for who's next and we'll see, you know, hopefully we won't get a long wait. You know we can get this thing popping and keep our keep our rhythm going and, and get better and play better basketball, more refined basketball as the series goes on. But that is it, man. You know we'll we'll see what happens uh, next week and we'll preview the uh, games that's been played up to this point when we record next week. So um, stay tuned, stay tuned for NFL previews. The Lockdown Davis Podcast. And we are back with NFL Previews. This is the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. We're going to get into our last two uh, divisions that we're going to preview uh, for our preseason reviews, and we're going to discuss uh, the NFC East and the NFC South this week, uh, two uh, historical and, and moral divisions that have uh, had a lot of history, um, Some definitely some good teams in here and some teams that are rebuilding. Um, so we're going to review those particular divisions and see how uh, we think they're going to fare uh from the uh top to the bottom where they started from you know last year where they finished last year i should say and where they're going to end up this year in my prediction. so uh, let's get into it all right first we're going to preview nfc east and East these obviously is comprised of the eagles cowboys giants and the redskins a uh, lot of history and long-standing history and rivalry in this division going back and forth uh, Eagles and uh, Cowboys of the latest, you know, ilk when it comes to rivalry, I think those got the those particular games are more heated than others, you know, in the division. Uh, of course, the Cowboys and Redskins have a historical, long-standing rivalry, um, and the Giants, you know, they kind of fit in in the middle somewhere. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, they don't, you know, they. I think I feel like outside of the Eagles, they won the most recent Super Bowl. Um, Cowboys going dating back to the '90s, and Redskins maybe further than that. But, you know, I think that, um, yeah, that's definitely some heated rivalries going on there. And then, you know, throw the records out the window when these teams play, because you never really know exactly who's going to win and how it's going to shake out. But let's get into it. So we're going to start with the uh, division champs, the Eagles. They finished 9-7 last year. They had a lot of injuries of receiver. And, um, you know, Carson Wentz, I mean, he had a pretty good year last year You despite that. Um, but they had struggles up and down The defense was, you know, trying to hold on and, you know, offense was sputtering, but uh, they finished 9-7. Um, they picked up Darius Slay in the off season, uh, in a crazy trade. The Lions were definitely trying to get rid of Slay for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know if it's a money issue or whatever the case may be. I mean, Darius wanted a new deal and I believe he did get it from the Eagles when he got traded. However, um, you know, the, the Lions were just trying to you know, move on from him, I guess, to trying to save money, you know, or get younger in a sense because they drafted Jeff Okuda in the uh, first round, but... Yeah, so Darius Slay, shutdown corner. I mean, I really respect this guy's game. I think he's uh, one of the, you know, top five corners in the league. You know, you know, debate that if you like, you know, who's one through five. But, you know, definitely a shutdown corner. You know, something they've been missing, um, you know, recent years. So, um, you know, so they moved, they shuffled there. Let's go say they shuffled around their secondary. And uh, he's going to be the number one guy. Um, you know, I, and I, I go back and forth with whether or not Darius Slay is a, is a follower. You know, when I say follower, he's a guy that – you know, follows his best receiver all throughout the game, you know, whether they play outside or the slot. But, um, you know, he's definitely going to cover ground and definitely going to do things for that defense that's going to give them even more of a bolster with that front seven. They got a great front seven, so they definitely will, um, you know, be aided in having Slate covering their best receiver, the opponent's best receiver. So uh, they also had some key losses. Uh, they lost Nigel Bradham, but they let him go. Uh, Marquis Goodwin was th- – uh, was to come over in a trade as well to join Deshaun Jackson and Alson Jeffrey. Um, but, uh, Marquis decided, um, family related reasons that he wanted to opt out for COVID. So he's not going to play this year. Um, but definitely going to be missed. I mean, speedy receiver something they were lacking. Um, that's why they brought Deshaun back and he was going to be another cog in that, you know, in that train, but you know, he's not going to play this season. So, uh, it's still a with Alshon and, um, the few other guys that they had, you know, um, I think it's white side and a few other guys They're trying to work in with that particular offense. But um, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, with that schedule, I mean, they're playing the first-place schedule, so it's going to be tough. They got to play all the division winners. So, you know, it's, that's always an uphill climb, you know, especially when, uh, you know, you have a little bit of turnover and trying to get your offense going. And I could say it again. It's almost like a broken record. You know, defense is going to be paramount in these first few weeks, you know, offense um, offenses start to get their rhythm. And, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy and they will – you know, start to put up points start to get a, you know, gel with each other. But, you know, they definitely got a good defense. But I think overall, I think they're going to, um, they're going to face probably the similar struggles that they did this year, you know, as far as moving the ball. So I think they will finish nine to seven again. Um, and it's all going to hinge on Carson Wentz. You know, I think Carson Wentz is going to be, you know, that person that has to take that leap forward. You know, I mean, he had a good season last year, you know, but he always issues whether or not he can stay healthy. Everybody got that question. All right, go on in. So can he still healthy? Can he have a full season and can he produce and move the ball and and you know into the weapons he has? I mean, you know, there's the controversy around Zach Ertz and his contract, and he may only play one more season there. So they gotta maximize the potential there. They got Dallas Goddard waiting in the wings, but you know, they a lot of they run a lot of two tight end sets. So, you know, it's, it's you know it's one of those things where you want to utilize as much talent as you possibly can. And when you gotta go, you know, three wide receivers or more you know, can they stay healthy enough in that position and Carson can get the ball to these guys and they make plays. So we'll see, you know, I always I think injuries as a whole is gonna be an issue because, you know, outside of Duncan COVID, you know, these, their off season has been different, you know, everybody's body's gonna have to, you know, adjust on the on the fly and quickly in order to be able to, you know, not get hurt, you know. So we're gonna see that. There's gonna be some issues with the people getting hurt, I'm sure, and I hope the Eagles stay healthy, but I think they'll finish 9-7. So moving on to the Cowboys. They, uh, went 500 last year. I mean, (laughs) a lot of question marks about that particular organization and their talent level, because, you know, everybody keeps saying that they got, you know, all the talent in the world. And I feel like they even got even better offensively, especially, you know, um, far as weapons are concerned in off season, you know, so they went 88 last year, despite having Amari Cooper and Gallup and a few other guys and Zeke in that line. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where I feel like, uh, you know, it's um, it's gonna be. Oh, I'm gonna start with the breakout players. It's all gonna be based upon Dak and how he moves that offense. Now, I will say a caveat to that because uh, when I did this graphic, you know, it was, um, it wasn't public news that you know Tyron Smith still having issues with his health. Um, you know, now you know, of course, Travis Frederick is gone, but you know, Zach Martin's having issues, and I think Lyle Collins gonna start on the IR or pup list, and. So they, their offensive line is in flux now, you know? Uh, so that's gonna be an issue, you know? Uh, they had Gerald McCoy um, in camp, but you know, I talked about him, you know, in the previous segment, the previous podcast about him going down with that injury, which is weird, and they cut him behind that. I think that was really crazy, you know, that contract situation was wild to me in, in, in its own right. But I think that, you know, it's gonna be one of those things where, you know, the secondary is questionable. You know, and I think that it's going to be one of those things where if the offense can move the ball vehemently against anybody's defense with all the weapons that they have, you know, they got question marks at tight end, but they don't have the question marks to receiver. in my opinion. They got Gallup, they got CeeDee Lamb, and of course they got Amari. So, you know, what team has a, the ability to cover those three receivers on a day-to-day basis? I don't think. There's many slot corners out there that's going to be able to keep up with CD. Because I think CD is really good, especially from a route running perspective at, be, at being at a young age. I feel like I want to say that, you know, from a route running perspective, you know, the CD might be more explosive in a sense. But I think that he's a young Amari, you know, because Amari was really good route running coming out of college. You know, people were saying that you don't see people running routes that well from – that particular position at that age, you know, but he was advanced and he's got nothing but better. And I think city's going to be in the same vein and learning from Amari is going to be great for him. So I think the offense, as far as passing is concerned, especially with McCarthy being there, is I struggle with this, you know, because I want to change the projected record, but I want to stick with it. I want to stick with 13-3 because Mark McCarthy, the offense and the ability, his ability to pass the ball. And I feel like if McCarthy had the weapons he had passing-wise and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he still would be there. You know, so I think he is in a dream scenario from the way he likes to run his offense. So we'll see. You know, I think with them playing a the second-place schedule as well, it's going to benefit them, you know. So I think that if their defensive line can, and their linebackers can play well and, and you know, manufacture stops, I think they will be all right. You know, I think if they can get their O-line healthy towards the mid to the late season, it starts to get cold and you can continue to run that ball like they know how to do you know, becoming a a powerhouse offense will get them to the point of them being 13-3, to but that's only if that takes a a further step in being great as far as being a franchise quarterback, let me say it that way, and if their offense moves the ball. Again, it all all hinges on Mike McCarthy and his ability to call plays and get these receivers in the right place, and hopefully Zeke can still get some yards despite the O-line being in flux, and if they can get healthy, They'll finish 13-3. to So, like I said, it all depends on that. You know, like I said, they lost, strat- as you can see, they lost strat- for a time, and then Byron Jones left in free agency. So, you know, they they got questions at corner. They've been saying certain things about this kid. I think it's Trevon Diggs. I'm saying some nice things about him in campus. He's going to be good, but he's young, you know. So, and they let Ha-Ha Clinton Diggs go, which is supposed to be this, you know, secondary savior, you know, because they didn't sign Earl Thomas when he got let go. So, you know, so I'm like, what are, you, what are we doing at safety? Here? You know, and Ha-Ha's no longer there. And they won't have any answers, you know, as far as, a, you know, proven talent. So we'll see. You know, either, you know, if the offense can move the ball, then they can shoot people out and outscore them. And they can manufacture stops, you know, defensive end. They, they'll be okay. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, so moving on to the Giants. The Giants <laughs> had a rough season last year. So uh, yeah, Daniel Jones, of course you know he's the era parent. Eli retired and you know he played most of the year last year. You know I think he might have got hurt, maybe a great game or two, but a rough year, man. You know they, he went four and twelve. You know, So, like I said, they're in the process of rebuilding. I mean, you know they're moving off from the Eli era and moving on to the hopefully the Daniel Jones era. You know, and just to make a, a point about quarterbacks, you know, you know just listening to you know the new era quarterbacks and how things run in the NFL for quarterbacks. You know, it really takes about year two and a half, three, you know, especially if you've been playing the entire time for them to really, for it to really click and really understand how the league works and how, you know, film, you know, study works and how to read coverages properly and not get fooled, you know, because I think the biggest thing, you know, I watched a college game and I watched a pro game um, on Thursday and just watched how, you know, defensive coordinators, you know, were really good at disguising coverage. You know, so for young quarterbacks, you know, I mean, if you're looking at too high, you know, you think this, you know, cover two, cover four, you know, something like that, you know, or something they loading up, look like, you know, cover one man, you know, and they they break out in this disguise too, you know, it fools, you know, young quarterbacks. So I think that, you know, Daniel Jones in his, you know, now third year, you know, can he make that, you know, that leap, you know, and you know, their weapons are, you know, you know, can Sterling Shepherd stay healthy, you know, can Saquon, you know, be that dog like I know he can be, but, you know, not be, you know, destined or, or, or or mired with the ability to have to do it all, you know, you know, kind of like what Christian McCaffrey may have to do, you know, depending on what Teddy Bridgewater does. And we'll we'll talk about that as well. But I think that, you know, this team is, you know, on, it's it's on the, the upward spiral, you know, from a, you know, talent perspective in a, in a, in a, in a competitive perspective. But like I said, they're in a tough division. You know, they got to face the Cowboys and they got to face the, the Eagles twice a year. So that's going to be rough. You know, and I think their defense, you know, their defense is in flux a little bit. They got some pieces. You know, but I think that uh, you know, it's, you know, it's it's going to be going to be a rough year. I mean, I, I think they'll do better. You know, like I said, you can see that projecting B6 and 10 this year. You know, so I think Saquon will be, you know, be Saquon. Uh, hopefully Daniel Jones can take that leap and you know, he has Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. Can they stay healthy? You know, he got Evan Ingram, who's a great tight end, if you can get him the ball. You know, so like I said, they got some weapons. But, you know, their O-line is, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, making that leap because they, you know, they drafted Will Hernandez a few years ago. They had Nate Soder, but he opted out for COVID, as you can see. Um, But they did draft Andre Thomas in the draft. So one of the best, not the best, you know, t- you know tackles in the, in the draft. So. They picked up Logan Ryan as well, so. But that was just to me. That was just the backfield. Of DeAndre Baker because DeAndre Baker got released because he got this court case pending, where he supposedly robbed some people, you know, which is stupid. You know, you know he deserves the big dummy of the week award, but that was long ago, and they just decided finally decided to release him. So, I'll let him live. But I think they to finish six and ten. I think they're still rebuilding. I think they're going to have some success. You know, they're going to win the games that they're supposed to win, and the games they're not supposed to win, they're probably not. That's probably what it's going to be. But I think the breakout player is going to be Daniel Jones. It's his third year, I think. And I think that he's going to hopefully take that leap and be able to move the ball and be able to be, you know, comfortable in that system that he's been in for three years. And he's going to be able to, um, you know, not have that lure of Eli lurking around on his back and he can be free, be comfortable in, you know, it's, it a sense of being a good quarterback. So we'll see. Last but not least, is the Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins. They had a rough year last year, obviously, and you know I don't um I don't see it getting any better because you know although they have some decent you know defensive pieces you know decent to great defensive pieces at least the front seven uh, I think they're you know they still they are still gonna finish fourth in the division. I just say it that way. You know um they picked up Ronald Darby in 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 um in free agency and. He drafted Chase Young. I think Chase Young is going to be a masterpiece of, a, of an edge rusher. You know, I, I got the pleasure of watching this kid play in the DMV for, you know, a number of years. You know, his, you know, his boys club years and going to the math and then Ohio, at Ohio State. So, you know, and his, his, just his body type, he's built to be an NFL player, man. You know, he's just, it's almost like, you know, just the Lord blessed him with the, the ability just to be, you know, a, a specimen. You know, so he, he's had a good camp from what I've been reading, and I think he's going to be it's going be a force. But, again, you know, it's one of those things where I just hope they can protect him and all the defensive players because when you have a, a sputtering offense, your defense plays a lot. And the more snaps you play and the more you're out there, the, you know, you get tired, you get exhausted, you get tired of getting beat on and being on the field, 40, 50 plays the game, and you, you mess around and get hurt and things of that nature, and that just sucks. And I hate for anybody that's – uh, you know, young player to be in a position. I hate for anybody to be in a position to be real, but you know, it's just one of those things when you on a team that's not, you know, not they're not shocking the world with their offensive of talent. Let's just be honest here. So I think, you know, for them going 30, three and thirteen last year it's not gonna it's gonna get worse before it gets better. I because mean, they lost they lost Darius Geist. They had to release him because he has more quick problems and battles and things of that nature. So, you know, he lost them. You know, so and then they didn't they turn around and cut Adrian Peterson, which I, I didn't understand. that's talked to a Redskin, Well, Washington football team fan, you know, earlier today and he made a point, you know, I, and I, it was it was one of those things where I don't know if I would cut uh, to me a future Hall of Famer, but he made it a point that they said that they were really able to tell from a personnel perspective what they were going to do on offense, because if Adrian Peterson was in the backfield, you knew they were running the ball. You know he don't catch passes out the backfield <laughs> he don't pass protect you know he's in on first second down it's typically a run and that's just a, a tell they didn't want to give away so maybe that's why they released them you know I, again i don't that's terrible to do somebody that and you have nothing but unproven backs now if you still had guys i could understand better but you don't have guys either Now i think they got antonio gibson or somebody like that hopefully they can believe in his ability but you know i think that losing guys and cutting peterson was was rough you know but like I said, their defense is is good. I mean, they got Kendall Fuller, they got they got Darby, they got Young, they got Sweat, they got Pain, Ionitis, You know, they lost Ruben Foster to injury, so their linebacking core been took a hit. You know, but they still got Bostick and, and Holcomb and those guys. So I think you know overall they'll be okay defensively. But again, if the offense can't move the ball, that old oh, line is in flux. You got a non somewhat non mobile quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. You know, now you got Adam Smith bringing it down his neck. He just made this miraculous comeback from his leg injury. And, you know, who's to say? I mean, who's to say what Ron Rivera's mind is, is that, you know, he, I believe Hastings is a starter, but, you know, if Hastings struggles because the O line can't protect him and, you know, he don't have no proven receivers, you know, they only have a proven tight end at this point. You know, McLaurin and, you know, a few other guys young, you know, you know, and I mean, again, and then, you know, Ron Rivera's always been a runner, he's a running guy. So, you know, which makes you scratch my head more about why he cut Adrian Peterson. You know, after he had, after you were forced to let guys go, so I think they're going to struggle, man. I think they're going to struggle. I think they're not going to win a whole lot of games, and there's going to be a lot of uh, sad faces in the D.M.V. area when racing not winning yet again this year. But I think they're going to go 1-15. But I hope I'm wrong. You know, hope they can do some things. I mean, I do like I do. You know, love Chase Young and a few other people that they got on their defense and. Hopefully, you know, Dwayne Haskins, I did like him coming out of college, and I hope he can make some noise, you know, in his, you know, what's is this, his second year, you know, so, but we'll see, man. I think it's going to be a rough season, though, especially with the division they're in. So, so that'll wrap up the NFC East, though. We'll flip over now to the NFC South, and we'll get that going. All right, so the NFC South is comprised of the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Falcons. There's been a lot of change in this division. Um ironically enough, the 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 top team didn't change a whole lot. You know, they did get a little better veteran-wise, but that top team didn't finish. Didn't I mean they didn't change a whole lot, but I think everybody else did, you know, from in large part. So we'll start with the Saints. The Saints finished 13-3 last year. Um they uh didn't again, like I said, they didn't have a whole lot of roster turnover. And I think, you know, and hear me when I say this, I think that it's going to be very beneficial for them because of what's going on in the world right now. The teams that are, you know, for the most part, stuck together and they know each other already, you know, especially from an office perspective, I think they're going to do much better overall from office to production perspective, especially early, than people that are brand new, got a lot of pieces that are different in their offense. Defense as well. But I think their offense especially, they're going to be, they're going to benefit deeply by having, you know, the same weapons for the most part. You know, Kamara just got paid, so he's there for a long term. They still got Michael Thomas, you know. You know, they, did they add Jared Cook? I want to say they added Jared Cook in the tight end. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you know, they added Manuel Sanders and they added Michael Jacobs on the defense man. You know, he's a former Saint. He's been there before. You know, he was at the Eagles for a while and he came back. So, which still, you know, he's still a great player. You know, so, you know, good veteran leadership for that defense. So, you know, I think that they're gonna be, you know, although, you know, I still got my issues with Drew Brees. I'm not gonna let that go. I still got my issues with Drew Brees. But if his team has overlooked that aspect of it in his comments and he think they, they really feel like he's completely and totally apologetic and made a mistake and they get over it, I think they're gonna have a great season. You know, and it's cause there's another team in this division that's going to just that's threatening to have throne and I think they're not going to be too bothered by it, to be honest with you. But it's definitely going to be some good football to watch because you got two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks dueling twice a year, and that's uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. But um, I think the, the my projection is they'll finish 15-1. I'm not even going to tell you who they're going to lose to. I'm just going to let you speculate. But I think they're going to be 15-1, and they get that one loss out of the way, so they're going to playoffs with no pressure. And you know they get home for the advantage, and I think that, and then you got to go through New Orleans to, to to get to the Super Bowl. So um, of course, you know it all hinges on Drew Brees. You know his you know his Hall of Fame talent, and you know the weapons he got. He has Emmanuel Sanders now on top of having Michael Thomas and Trey Smith now. I think he got Jerry Cook. you got Kamara. Um, they got Latavius Murray backing him up. O line hasn't changed. That's paramount right there. That's paramount. O line hasn't changed. You know, and that's hugely important. For the, for that offense, to know which offensive line is going to do and how well they're going to block, and you got those weapons out there, I think they're going to come out the gates fired. It's going to be one of the few offenses outside of the Chiefs, in my opinion, that's going to be that's going to come out and they're going to be moving the ball like it's nothing. Um, and the defense is no slouch either. I mean, come on, I mean we can just look at it. We can go top to bottom, I and mean, you got Lattimore out there, you know, you know, and those guys. So, I mean, I mean they, I mean let's just be real, they didn't change a whole lot. All they did was add Michael Jenkins in the back end. To go along with with Marcus Williams, so you got Lattimore, you got Williams Jenkins, the linebacker, the D line. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be great on both sides of the ball this year, and I think they're gonna be they're one of the people that might contend for Super Bowl if everything shakes out the way it's supposed to and nobody gets hurt. But yeah, so I think that's where the where the, where the Saints are gonna start and they're gonna finish. So moving on to the Buccaneers now, <laughs> of course the Buccaneers are the talk of the town. The, you know, Tom Brady went over there from New England, you know, his long career in New England and he was definitely, you know, a cog in winning six titles for that franchise. And, you know, they decided to part waves, Mr. Kraft and Bill Belichick finally, and decided to venture off on his own. And he wound up at Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. They let Jameis Winston go, as you can see, in favor for Tom Brady. And who would question that? <laughs> you know. Um, of course, with James Winston last year, and they came on, they came on you know, um, at the end, as far as winning games and moving the ball, but you know they were finished seven to nine, you know, and I think that um they are they definitely overhauled this offensive roster. I mean, I mean, you know, you got Tom Brady as a replacement quarterback for James Winston. You know, they stole Leonard Fournette for agency because the Jags just decided to cut him. I don't, I'm starting to think that Flynn Fournette asked to be released because I just, he just didn't like the fact, and I talked about this before, about the fact that they were just, you know, completely throwing away time and effort on people's livelihood, you know. And I I, de- I definitely have ish, take issue with that and I already spoke on it, you know, about the people, you know, just throwing away seasons trying to tank for better players. You know, because you still got people that's on the field fighting game to game in a, in a very violent game to play this game and entertain your fan base, you know, for sixteen games. So you got to put on a decent product, man. I mean, come on. But again, Leonard Fournette got let go. He's now he's in uh, Tampa Bay along with Ronald Jones and that you know loaded backfield with Sean McCoy. You got Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement and got traded, you know, from the Patriots to the Buccaneers with no fuss. So you got win. you got Mike Evans. I mean, Tom Brady has no excuses, no excuses, Um, you know, about moving the ball. You know, the only question about this is gelling with all those all those receivers. I mean, it still requires some gelling, you know. So you no matter how many weapons you got and how great Tom Brady, you know, is, quote-unquote, as a quarterback, you still got to gel with these weapons and how you going to balance your run in the past game and how you're going to move the ball. You know, and let's be real. They're going to see some tough secondaries and tough defensive fronts. And, you know, the office line is is pretty decent, you know, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the level of the Saints O-line, in my opinion. So, you know, when you got these heavy rushes coming at you and Tom Brady's not, not mobile at all, you know, can he move the ball effectively and early and often? And they play the Saints first game. We get to see it front center, four o'clock, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, so I'm going I'm to be, be tuned in heavy. And uh, we will see. But, um, you know, if I had to be a better man, I would say that, you know, the Saints are better in better position because the one key factor in this particular situation is, although the the Bucks have a really good front seven, the secondary has some questions. They're young. I mean, they're talented, athletic, but they got questions because they, like I said, they're unproven. You know, can they, you know, you're not dealing with shutdown corners on the outsides either. So, you know, a team like the Saints with good for the really good pass game can give them problems if they can get the ball out quick enough and create mismatches in the secondary and 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 move the ball. And I think that's going to be the difference. But uh, but yeah, but outside of that, man, I think, you know, with the talent they got, there's no excuse why, you know, and I'll leave the cat out of the bag right now. I'll just tell it. I think that they're going to split with the Saints. The Saints are going to split with the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers are going to split with the Saints. And the only game they're both going to lose is – it's though is that one game that they dropped to them, and they're probably going to beat everybody else based upon the talent level that they have, you know, on the offensive side. But we'll see. We'll see. So it might be the first time ever that you have two 15-1 teams in the same division. And flip a coin who wins in the division. But moving on. The Panthers. The Panthers had a lot of turnover too, man. A lot of turnover. I mean, Luke Kegley retired. You know, they cut Cam Newton. My God, I just... I mean, I have to put that on the coach and the coach only. I mean, you know, the owner, you know, uh, I, I just don't see how you do that. You know, what I mean, it, Cam, I mean, I really just feel like it was disrespectful, you know, and I think I hold the Panthers organization, you know, from, at least from a coach's perspective, feet to the fire, just like I hold the Jags organization's feet to the fire about what they're doing to their players, you know, because Cam Newton gave his heart and soul and his mind, his body. He sacrificed everything, including major injuries to this organization. And you just you just cut him. You know, and and to be honest with you, I mean, I, I don't I mean, I don't just no knock on Teddy Bridgewater, right? No knock on Teddy Bridgewater. But you can't sit here and tell me, and you know Karen was hurt, you know, he was hurt. You can't see and tell me that Bridgewater at 20 million a year is a better option than Cam Newton at the salary he was making. Cause it's very comparable. I mean, I'm I'm not going to deep dive into the numbers and dig into These brothers pockets too much, but you can't see and tell me that, you know, adding a receiver like Robbie Anderson wouldn't and still having Christian McCaffrey could sign Christian McCaffrey to a long-term deal. You can't sit here and tell me that you can't make better offense or comparable to a better offense with Cam being at the helm and being in that city uh, that he's been riding for this whole career and have good production to better production from Cam's perspective versus having Teddy Bridgewater there. Because let's be real, Teddy Bridgewater's only had maybe one season, if that of real live being the starter and being productive. You know, he, he filled him a breeze for those games, but you know, he never, he hasn't played a full season. I mean, it's due to injury mainly, so you, it's like you traded one for the, one, one thing for the other, and I think you know anybody that knows football a little bit will know the Cam has way better production numbers than Teddy does. So how do you justify this? You know, and you know, although you know you got just some speedy receivers outside, and Robbie Hunt is a very good speedy receiver as well. You know, you know, Christian McCaffrey is a is a every down back. You know, I, I I don't like it, man. I don't like it. I, Finished five and eleven last year with no Cam. I mean, clearly Cam was hurt the whole season, so you can't you don't put the five eleven record on him, obviously. But you know, it's one of those things where I just feel like this—they're going backwards to me. Like, yeah, you you, you, you you traded Teddy for Cam, you traded Cam for Teddy, and you know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure what they what they what they're, they're driving at, and I don't. I'm not really feeling this coach. You know, even if he had kept Cam, I really wasn't feeling this coach higher. You know, you let Ron go and you know he's in Washington now and you know I, I just don't I don't like it. And their defense has gotten worse. You didn't resign Eric Greed. Well, I don't know. You know, because you didn't have a better option to safety. You know, you still got your young corners outside, but again, they were they were allowed to make plays and be able to roam because your front seven was good. Now your front seven isn't great. Your linebacking core is even worse. I mean the only person you name get out there is Jack Thompson. You know, so you know, you didn't even call Thomas Davis back, you know, when he got let go from the Chargers. You didn't even call him back to play one more season and retire as the Panthers. You didn't even do that. So, although you got good receivers and good quarterback, I mean, good running back, I don't I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to end well for the Panthers, to be honest with you, especially after playing the Saints and the Buccaneers twice a year. I don't think it's going to end well for them. I think they're going to finish 4-12. And it's largely due to the fact that the defense is going to let them down over and over again. Again, I'll say it like a broken record. If your defense ain't on point, Early, early, and often in this in this COVID-laden season, you're going to struggle. Point blank, end the period. You're going to struggle, and they're going to finish four twelve. So, good luck, Carolina. So that leads the Falcons. That leads to Falcons. We, um, the Falcons. We, the Falcons, interesting to me because it's one of those things where I feel like they've gotten stale. You know, if you ever listen to my, if you listen to my Kobe tribute, you know, I talked about the Lakers getting stale when they after they won their last title in 2010, right? I feel like the the Falcons have gotten stale. You know, I feel like, you know, they, you know, they made a trade a few pieces here and there, but you still got got Matt Ryan, the quarterback. You still got Julio Jones as a receiver. You still got Calvin Ridley as a receiver. You know, they picked up Hayden Hurst, you know, as a tight end. They got Todd Gurley in the backfield. You know, you traded Devontae Freeman for Todd Gurley, right? You traded Austin Hooper for Hayden Hurst. You traded Vic Beasley for Dante Fowler. Right, so to me, it, honestly, truly, it's the same freaking team. It's the same freaking team, and you let the Buccaneers get way better offensively, you know, without answering it for real. And I feel like you got questions in your secondary now because you let Desmond Trufant walk. He's in the line. He's in Detroit now, you know. So what, you know? I just feel like they've, they've been stale ever since that letdown in the Super Bowl, you know. And they haven't, they haven't woken up or changed anything to the point where they could make people do different things against them because whatever the, you know, whatever the game plan is going in, it's almost like the defensive coordinator just passing sheets around. Like they have your stamp. This is how you stop the Falcons. And that's what they do. This is how you stop them. You know, they're, you know, good, good weapons in Madden, but then, but, but the NFL, it ain't, the ain't, it ain't the same. It ain't the same again. And I think, you know, they're going to lose two games of the Saints. I think they're going to lose two games of the Buccaneers. So you're already looking at f- four losses, you know, and they, I, who knows what they do against the Panthers? Who knows? But I think they're going to struggle. You know, I think that Matt Ryan hasn't recovered at all either from being that MVP like season he had in, the, in, in them going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I just think, you know, for, despite the weapons, I mean, you got, again, you have no all-out excuses from a web perspective. You got a good running back, you, you know, you got good receivers, you got a good tight end, but it's just Matt Ryan. And I think they finished 4-12 that's that's just my take on it i mean somebody got to take the heat and somebody got to take the beatings because i think the buccaneers and saints aren't taking any prisoners, you know and i think the saints will be good all year and the bucks will just get better as they gel more and more and more and that front seven is gonna be ferocious as long as they stay healthy so i'm sorry falcons i'm sorry carolina you're gonna to have to take these beatings it just is what it is yeah, that'll wrap it, man. That'll wrap the previews up, man. So uh, what we'll probably do um, going forward in the podcast is we'll do uh, weekly um, previews for the NFL games. We'll we'll pick games each uh, for the whole entire week and see who's going to win what and give you our breakdowns for that. So be on the lookout for that segment to replace NFL previews. And, um, of course, it won't be as long as this segment. But, but yeah, that'll, so that'll wrap the NFL previews. Uh, stay tuned for the full quarter closeouts the Lockdown Davis Podcast you <laughs> back. We're here for the fourth quarter closeout. This is the Lockdown Davis podcast. I've been your host coach defense. We're going to give out some awards this week for breakout players of the week, lockdown defenders of the week and big dummy of the week. So wait for that. Uh, we got two good ones this week. It uh, should be entertaining. Uh, as always, uh, if you're looking for any part of my show or any segment of my show, you want to skip around, check the description. There's timestamps in the description to let you know exactly where to go. Click that link. It'll take you right to that segment and it'll jump you right into that segment. You can view that segment um in its entirety. Uh, let's get on to these awards, though. All right, all right. Um, I think this will be the last week that we have basketball only when it comes down to these awards, but, uh, we won't give them it they just due. Um, <laughs> I have to give credit to this man. I, I, I stepped on a little bit after I had to check the stats. Uh, uh, Nikolai Jokic from the different Nuggets. Uh, they just seemed forced at Game 7 uh, today, and I was very surprised by that. I was very uh, inundated with football, so I didn't realize that they were playing so early, and they knocked off the Clippers, and they forced a Game 7, and he had a masterf- masterpiece of a performance. And he's averaged 27.3 points in this entire week stretch over these games that they've won, 13 rebounds a game, and 1.3 blocks a game. So we got to give him credit for being block- breakout player of the week this week. And once again, you got Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has been masterful. He's been the leader. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, from a pay and in st- and, 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 and talent perspective, you know, who they, how would they pay Kemba to get to Boston? You know, he should be the guy. But he came up really small in that series, you know, down the stretch. But Jason didn't shy away from the moment. And he's our breakout player of the week as well. He's averaging 25.3 points a game, 12 rebounds. He's logging double-doubles. And playing 51 minutes in that game before last, and just just amazing performance. And he actually logged 6.6 assists. He even had a uh, series high of nine one game. So yeah, Jason Tatum and uh, Nikola Jokic y'all definitely have been balling, and y'all definitely got your team's prime to go forward. And we'll see what happens. Um, now going into lockdown defender of the week, uh, <laughs> this man has been on my list quite a few times. I mean, I just can't take it away from him. I mean, he's just doing, masterful things, and it's both and it's it's. His two way ability is just uncanny to me. Like he puts some great points, he puts up a lot of points, he gets a lot of rebounds, he blocks shots, he steals the ball. I mean, he logged five steals one game. I mean, in the playoffs. I mean, come on. I mean, you just got to get a man his credit. I mean, he's he's probably. The, I mean, I have said he's probably the best two way player out there right now, I and mean, one of the best I've ever seen. You know, it's not many people that can play you know, on both sides of the ball, as dominant as he has. And you know, this game might be real spurs like boring, but he gets the job done. I have to get a man credit in Kawhi Leonard. He's our Lockdown Defender of the Week. So we'll give everybody credit for winning their awards. All right, so on the big dummy of the week. (laughs) We'll start with the Houston Rockets and Mr. Daniel House. Daniel House decided that he uh, couldn't control his hormones, <laughs> you know. As the movie say, "Boy, get your hormones together." They are Joe Clark. Boy, get your hormones together. Get your get your mind right. He couldn't get his hormones together. Young guy, you know, he was you know trying to make his way on his Rockets team. He was getting deep into the rotation, you know, playing good ball in the playoffs. And he decided that, you know, I'm gonna be slick. I'm not gonna try to sneak nobody on the bubble campus, you know, because I'm trying to you know get get some get some business handled. But he decided he was gonna pick out one of the COVID tester ladies. <laughs> I swear, boy. when you want something, boy, you can be resourceful. I give him credit for that, but he got busted. So, you know, I don't know if the tester snitched or what, but I mean, and you would think, you know, uh, you know, one to one, like he should be clean because he's been tested every day, and she got to be tested every day because she's testing people. So, but they still was last like, been violation. So, he, he got caught with her in the room, got busted, had to leave the bubble, and totally just, you know. What little chance the Rockets had, you know, you know, facing that blitz that the Lakers gave him, you know, he made it worse because he got exited from the bubble, had to leave, and couldn't come back. So Daniel House, you know, is part one of his big W of the Week award because you got to use your phone and your own devices, buddy. You got to hold off, you know. I mean, nothing else. He was looking at it from a standpoint. Within the next couple of days, he was going to go home anyway. You know, so, I mean, yeah, just just couldn't hold off, could you? He just couldn't hold off. So, he's one. Now, number two, and I, I really hate to give this man energy, but, you know, it's just, it's just so ridiculous in his takes and he, the way he does things at a certain point. It just just, just just grinds my gears, man. It just grinds my gears. Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, yet again, is making the big dummy of the week because he wanted to, of all things, I mean, if you watch Undisputed, you know that he's he is Superman caked for his Cowboys no matter how good, bad, or indifferent they are every freaking year. But he decided, of all things, and I was very shocked by this, you know, if I was a woman in church, I'd my pearls. Because he decided that he wanted to criticize his quarterback, Dak Prescott, you know, who's been playing really good. That's, he's probably the best quarterback they've had consistently, let's be real, since Troy Aikman. You know, I mean, Tony Romo, eh, you know, he's okay. But everybody knows that he came up with small and big moments as well. But, you know, Dak has probably been, you know, the most consistent quarterback and could be the most consistent quarterback they're going to have if they pay him his money. You know, but he decided because Dak wanted to to share his story about him being, you know, morbidly depressed and, you know, going through it with the death of his brother and things of that nature and having, you know, um, mental health issues, which – you know, a lot of people are going through, especially now, you know, with this quarantine, he decided to be extra super unjustly critical of this man. And and basically, you know, you know, I was, I would, I would hearken and say, he called him a coward. You know, he said he don't care about his issues. You need to be playing better quarterback for the Cowboys. Like how selfish is that, bro? Like, seriously, you have issues with Dak Prescott and his mental health. You know, as if that wouldn't affect him playing quarterback and as if a lot of people in this country aren't going through those things, especially when you experience deep loss like you losing your brother and, you know, and being Quincy and not be able to do your job. I mean, come on now. Let's just let's just be real here. People are human beings. They're not super human Avenger like Marvel characters. They're not that, you know, regardless of how fast they can run or how far they can throw a ball. They're still human beings, man. So show them respect that they deserve for being human beings. You don't want nobody to treat you that way. So don't treat people that way just because you got platform a platform and show to run your damn mouth, all right? So Skip Bayless and Daniel House, you get the big dummy here we go on. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap up the show, man. I appreciate y'all time. Appreciate y'all coming through and definitely entertaining me through this time. Uh, we, like I said, we're gonna have new segments going on. We're gonna do our, our weekly preview show. Um as well, um, you know, going through each game and picking our players, picking the teams we think we're gonna win the game. And we're gonna recap week one uh, NFL. Excited about that. Talk about how we wanna uh how we're, the games presented on the field as far as being no fans in the large part, see how that those things go. And um, of course, you know, it's gonna be some news out there, you know. So we'll get into that and we'll deep down into that. But as always, uh like, comment, subscribe on this video. Uh, subscribe to my social medias at Lockdown Defense on Twitter, Lockdown Defense Sports on Instagram, and uh, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. But in the meantime, between time, I appreciate everybody's time. I see you when I see y'all. This is Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.